Well, happy Easter, Go Church family. Thank you so much for letting us live stream right into your home on this Easter Sunday. As a matter of fact, here's what I want to do today on Easter Sunday. I want to get real interactive with each other. So let's start it out in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching this live stream. I want you to jump into that comment section and wish each other, come on, wish your Go Church family a big happy Easter. Tell them happy Easter to everybody. We love you so much. And from my family to your family, from my heart to your heart, from my home to your home, happy Easter. Go Church. Listen. I know, that, I know that this church building is empty. As a matter of fact, churches all over the world are, are empty. Church buildings are empty because of the coronavirus. And who would have thought that in 2020 on Easter Sunday that millions of church buildings would be empty. But I've, I've got good news for you today. Although the church building might be empty, so is the tomb. Come on now. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Give me a good amen today on Easter Sunday. And and I want to tell you that, that Easter is more than just a celebration. Easter is an experience. And so you can experience the power of the resurrection, the power of Easter, right there in your homes today. And so again, thank you for letting us live stream. I pray that this message and this whole gathering is just a real blessing for you and for your family. Now, we've got a tradition that we do every single Sunday. And before we get into the word, before we get into the message, we always pause to give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the first responders. And I want to do that today. I just want to say thank you for your continued selflessness, the way that you serve to protect our lives by risking your own lives. God bless each and every one of you. And then I also want to give a big shout out of encouragement to all of the essential Workers Now, from county to county and state to state and country to country, essential worker is defined differently. But if you are working during this pandemic and you're going out into the public to serve us and to help make our lives a little bit easier to all of you essential workers, we say God bless you. And to all of you, the military, first responders, and essential workers, may the peace of God the provision of God, and the protection of God be with you. And I also want to say thank you to Go Church uh, for your continued faithfulness and generosity, for your continued sacrifice. Every time you give to the ministry of Go Church, you're making a huge impact. You're making a huge difference. And you've heard me say this before, and I love this line so much. If everybody does a little together, we can do a lot. And every time you give to the ministry of Go Church, you're making a big impact. As a matter of fact, we've developed through this coronavirus an emergency response team, an emergency response team. And earlier this week, the emergency response team from our South Metro Atlanta campus, they were able to put together and provide meals for 150 children in our community. I'm going to give you a couple pictures and these pictures will go large on the screen so that you can see them. But you can see the emergency response team working in the kitchen to prepare these meals, to get them into the hands of these children and these families that might not otherwise have food to eat. And so I just want to say to that team, thank you for your faithfulness. And then to everybody that gives financially to Go Church, may, may the provision of God be with you as well. And as you give, it shall be given. Come on, Go Church family. We're making a big difference even during this whole pandemic. And, and I'm just so thankful to be your pastor and honored to watch God use you and to use this church as we walk through this journey together. 
Now, it is Easter Sunday, and every Easter Sunday, we always do what we call an annual Easter survey. And typically, when we're in person, you'll get some type of of card to fill out the survey. Today, though, we're going to go digital, all digital. We've created a small survey. It's really, really simple, really, really quick, really, really short. You can visit survey.mygochurch.com. It's about five or six questions long, and it'll take you a total of three or four minutes max to fill out this survey. And I'd love the opportunity to collect a little bit of information and a little bit of understanding and ideas from you. Uh, This survey helps us so much as we prepare sermon series and message topics, and we also want to make sure that we're uh, able to communicate with you effectively for all of the happenings at your campus. So please, Do me a favor and do your church a favor. Visit survey.mygochurch.com. Take a couple of minutes and fill out that survey, and I believe that it will be a huge blessing. I'm so excited to share with you this Easter message. We're calling it All for Love, All for Love. And the idea of this particular message actually came into my heart in the fall of 2019. So in the fall of 2019, I heard the song Miracle, that we just sang a moment ago in the gathering. And when we get to the chorus of the bridge of that song, it says this phrase, all for love. And when I heard that for the first time, I really felt in my spirit that that would be a great title of an Easter message. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this idea of all for love, all for love. So if you got your Bible, I want you to get that out. I'd love for you to grab a journal so that you can take some notes. And if you've not yet shared this uh, live stream on your social media outlets, please go ahead and do that because I believe this message today titled All for Love is going to be a big blessing to everyone that would watch it. Let me, let me give you a question, all right? What is the most important thing in your life? I want you to really pause and consider this question. What is the most important thing in your life? Now, for some of you, immediately some some thoughts begin to flood your heart and your mind. Some of you would say, the most important thing in my life is my spouse, or the most important thing in my life is my children, or the most important thing in my life is my faith or my relationship with God. Now, for most of you, whatever the response is that you gave, I would almost guarantee that it was centered around something that you love. And here's why. Because what you love the most, you value the most. Let me say that again. What you love the most, you value the most. And here's the truth. Love is essential. Love is vital. Love is so important to you, and love is important to me. As a matter of fact, the way that we're wired, the way that we are designed, every single one of us, everybody watching online today, and Pastor JC included, we all have a desire to be loved, and we have a desire to love. And here's the thing about love. Love goes far beyond just, you know, uh, biochemical and sociological ideas and concepts and explanations. The thing about love is this. Love is supernatural. There is a supernatural aspect of love. And I want to try to dive into that supernatural component of love today. As a matter of fact, in the time that we've got, I'm going to do my best just to answer these few questions. How, how do you define love? And where, where does love actually come from? And, and maybe you've even asked this one. What 
What is love? What is love? Now, I want you to go in your Bible to 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter number 4. And I'm going to read to you about 15 verses of Scripture. And if you and the family are watching uh, this message together, I'm going to play a little game with everybody. Now, maybe your children are on YouTube watching our Go Kids YouTube curriculum for the morning, and that's fine. Don't interrupt them, but... But for those of you watching, I, I want to play a game with you. I'm going to read to you 15 verses from 1 John chapter number 4, and here is the game. I want you to try to keep up and count with me how many times you read or hear or see the word love. Does that make sense? So I want you to count 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 7. I want you to try to count with me how many times you see, hear, or read the word love. Here we go. Let's do this together. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. The Bible says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Let's read these uh, few words together here. One, two, three. Because God is Love. Watch verse number 9. And I want you to highlight verse 9 in your Bible because I'll reference it again here in just a moment. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I hope you're keeping up with how many times you see, hear, or read the word love. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made, I love this, complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and this is how we know that he lives in us. He has given us his spirit. I want you to remember verse number 13 as well. And, and the Bible goes on. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. Come on now. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God, and God will live in them. Verse 17, a few more verses. Hang in there with me. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. And verse number 18, many of you, you've heard this before. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. I love that. We love because he first loved us. Two more verses. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. I don't know if you're able to keep up with me how many times we read, 
heard or saw the word love, but if you think you got it, drop your answer in the comment section now. Come on, really quickly. How many times did you see, hear, or read the word love? I'm going to give you five seconds, and then I'm going to give you the answer. Come on, type it out real fast. How many times did you see it? The answer is this. In 15 verses, you read, heard, or saw the word love 27 times. 27 times in these 15 verses. Now, this is powerful because this is actually two times more than any other scripture reference in all of the Bible that you read, hear, or see the idea of love. And these verses in 1 John chapter 4 place a heavy emphasis on how God loves us and why God loves us. And and it it emphasizes the reality that God is love, but it doesn't just stop with, with God only. As a matter of fact, when you dive deep into 1 John 4, you see the Trinity come to life in love. In these verses that we just read, we recognize that God the Father shows his love, God the Son shows his love, and God the Holy Spirit shows his love, and each person within the Trinity, and, and that's what we believe in the, as this church, in this church, that we have a Trinitarian theology. We believe that God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you how the Trinity puts their love on display in these verses that we just read. Verse 9 says that God the Father showed his love by sending his Son for us. Verse 10 said that God the Son showed his love by laying down his life for us. And then verse 13 shows that God the Holy Spirit affirms his love by dwelling Within us. And I want to dive into this concept of love, the supernatural aspect of love, a little deeper. Let's dive and dig a little deeper into this. So today, I'm going to try to help us understand the motive of God's love, the measure of God's love. I'll show you the model of God's love, and then we'll close with the mission of God's love. Come on, take some notes. Number one is this, the motive of God's love. So the idea of motive is, is reason, it's purpose, it's, it's intent. If someone were put on trial, the prosecution would try to determine the motive behind the, the crime that they committed. Well, if Jesus Christ is guilty of anything, he's guilty of loving us. His motive is truly love. And I don't know, I don't know if you've ever asked this question before, but But I have. I've asked this question about my own life. You know, God, why do you love me? Why why would you love somebody like JC? With all of my flaws and all of my failures and all of my my issues. Come on now. Y'all don't need to say amen to my issues, but we've all got some issues. When, When God looks at my life, why would he continuously choose to love me? And then when I survey my life, I see that God continues to prove his love for me. God has done so much to prove his love for me. I want to say something to you, and I, want, I hope that this statement helps you to understand the motive of God's love. What if I suggested to you that God made you to love you? Let me say that again. God made you to love you. The Bible doesn't say that God has love. The Bible says that God is love, that love is his character, that love is his nature. And I I want to encourage somebody that's watching this message today 
that God made you to love you. Love is his nature, and God loves you on your bad days as much as he loves you on your good days. And if you go to the book of Genesis, you'll see that, that God created the heavens, and God created the earth, and God created the waters, and God created the seas, and God, God created the light, and God created the planet, and God created the stars. And then watch, and then God created you. God made you. God, God fashioned you and, and fitted you together and God deposited within you your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. And God gave you your, your features. And you've developed this wonderful personality. And, and I'm telling you that God, God made you to love you. I, I, think, uh, I think the old boy band in the 90s, NSYNC, said it best. God must have spent a little more time on you. you who. Come on now. And he does. He spends time on us because he made us to love us. And it could be said that your heart is beating right now because God loves you. You are alive right now because God loves you. God made you to love you. And my prayer on this Easter Sunday is that when you understand the motive of God's love, that God made you to love you, when you understand that motive and then you accept the love of God, then you would love God in return. Let me say that one more time to you. When you understand the motive of God's love, that God made you to love you, and then you accept that love, that, that never-failing, never-ending love that he has for you, then in return, you would love God back. That is the motive of God's love. God made you to love you. Come on, is that good today? Let me, give you, let, let me give you the second thought because we're diving in a little deeper on the supernatural aspect of love. Let's look at the measure of God's love, the measure of God's love. Now, now the measure of God's love is all about the extent of his love. So, so how much does he really love you? I don't know if you've ever thought that, but God, how much do you really, truly love me? And how, how can you measure that? I think uh, the Apostle Paul gives us some insight on how to measure the love of God. He, he writes this, this prayer to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter number 3. And I'm going to read these verses to you, but I'm not only reading them to you, but I'm praying them over you. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then he says this, watch. He says, I pray, and this is my prayer from my heart to yours. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? In love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. And here it is. The Apostle Paul says, this is the measurement of God's love to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is the measurement. How, how much, what is the extent of God's love for you? What's the measure of God's love for you? Paul says, I want you to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep really is the love of Christ. Let me walk you through these measurements. Watch this. How, how wide is God's love? How wide 
is God's love. His love is wide enough to be everywhere. Come on, church, give me a good amen right there. I want to tell you that whenever you are in Christ Jesus, whenever you accept the love of God, you are never alone. Even in quarantine, you are never alone. Come on now, because the love of God is wide enough to be everywhere. You may feel alone, you might feel lonely, but when you are in Christ, you are never alone because his love is wide enough to be everywhere that you are. If you need a, a, a mental image or a visual of just how wide the love of God is, you don't have to look any further than Easter. Easter, when on Easter Friday, when Jesus Christ stretched his arms out wide on that old rugged cross to prove to you and to prove to me just how much he loves us. And the Bible says that when we accept the love of God and we repent of our sins, that he forgives us of our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's how wide God loves you. How, how long is God's love, you ask? Well, it's long enough to last forever. Come on. His love never fails. It never gives up. His love will never run out on you, and his love will never run out on me. His love will last forever. That's how long it is. And this, this is the, the very thing that differentiates God's love from human love because human love fades. Human love fizzles. Human love can, can stop. We can choose to stop loving people. This is why there's, there's conflict in earthly relationships, and this is why there's separation and divorce and estranged relationships because human love can, can sometimes be turned on and then be turned off, but, but not God's love. God's, God's love will, will last forever. God, God will never stop loving you. He, he can't stop loving you because God is love. His nature is love. His character is love. So listen to me, because I think somebody watching this live stream today, you've questioned if God loves you, and I'm telling you that he loves you so much that it'll, it'll last forever, and God can never, ever, 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 never stop loving you. It's Romans chapter number eight. It says, what can, what can separate us from the love of God. Listen to me. Lean in for a second. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love because his love is long enough to last forever. Let me show you this one. How high is God's love? I love this. It's high enough to cover all my sins. Come on now. It's high enough to cover every mistake that I've made. It's, it's high enough to cover every fault, every failure, all of those issues that I've talked about. His love is, is high enough to cover it all. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says that his love will cover a multitude of sin. And I know all about this idea of a multitude of sin because I have made mistakes and I've made bad choices and I've messed up and I've had moments of, of foolish, uh, foolish decisions and, and fleeting thoughts. And I just want to encourage you to let you know that the love of God is high enough to cover every single one of your sins. And not only does, does it go really, really high, but the love of God goes really, really deep as well. Because his love is deep enough to handle anything that you're going through. So let me say it to you like this. Whatever problem, whatever pain, whatever pandemic, God's love can go deeper 
it can go deeper than your lowest of lows. Some of you would say, well, I'm, I'm in a pit of depression or I'm, I'm at rock bottom. I'm at the lowest point of my life. Write this thought down because this is good news. Your sin cannot take you where God's love cannot find you. I wish I had about 100 people in the comment section right now giving me a good amen. Your sin cannot take you where God's love cannot find you. I think uh, the psalmist David recognized this in Psalm 40, verse number 2. He said that he lifted me out of the pit of despair. And if he did it for David, he can do it for you. And if he can do it for you, he can do it for me. His love can go deep into the darkest places of your life. And he can pull you out of the mud and out of the mire. And I love this promise. David said, and he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place. To stand. That is the measure of God's love. To know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. Church, I hope you grasp that today. God's love never fails. And wherever you are today and wherever you'll be tomorrow, God's love will be there too. Come on now. Let me give you two more thoughts as we dive in deeper to the supernatural aspect of the love of God on this Easter weekend. The third idea is this. We're going to look at the model of God's love, the model of God's love. See, Jesus Christ was a prototype. Jesus was the original. He's the original author of love. God is love. And there there has never been and there will never be anyone like Jesus again. And whenever you look at the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus not only shows us how he loves, but the life of Jesus also shows how we should love too. We read verse number 17 earlier. I want to show it to you one more time. It says this as we look at the model of God's love because because God, through his son Jesus, is our template. He is our model. So when we wonder, well, how should we love? How should we demonstrate love? We look to Jesus. Verse 17 says this, that in this world, you, you and I, if we're in Christ, we are like Jesus. Now let me unpack this for a moment. To unpack this, let's go back to the book of Genesis. So the Bible says that in the beginning, God created male and he created female. Are you with me? So... In the beginning, God created us, male and female, and he made us in his image. And now we see in 1 John 4, 17, that in this world, we are like Jesus. I just want to bring some clarification to this, okay? The Bible is not suggesting that you and I are little gods, lowercase g, little gods. No. What the Bible is suggesting is that whenever we accept the love of God, then we are God's, meaning we are his sons and we are his daughters in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13 is probably the, uh, you know, the most popular chapter in the Bible when it comes to love. It's known as the love chapter. A lot of people can quote it. A lot of, a lot of weddings have had this as a part of their wedding ceremonies. A lot of pastors have preached on 1 Corinthians 13 because here we see the model of love. We see the template of love. So, so if God is love, then let's replace this idea of love with the word Jesus or the name of Jesus rather. 
So we learn, if we want to see the model of love on display, that Jesus is patient, that Jesus is kind, that Jesus does not envy, that Jesus does not boast, that Jesus is not proud, that Jesus does not dishonor others, that Jesus is not self-seeking, that Jesus is not easily angered, that Jesus keeps no record of wrong, that Jesus does not delight in evil, but Jesus rejoices with the truth that Jesus always protects and Jesus always trusts and Jesus always hopes and Jesus always perseveres, right? Do you see that? So Jesus is our model on how we should love. But let me give you another challenge here. Let's go back to the beginning of this verse for a moment. And let's not just replace the idea, the supernatural aspect of love with the person of Jesus But now, let's put our own name into this passage. And let's see how well you and I are modeling this aspect of love. Is JC patient? Am I kind? Do I envy? Do I boast? Is is JC proud? Come on, I hope that you're putting your name in there too right now. Do do I dishonor others? Am I self-seeking? Am I quick-tempered and easily angered? Am I, am I keeping record of wrongdoing? Do I, do I delight in evil? Does J.C. always protect and always trust and always hope? Does J.C. always persevere? See, if you want to know the model of God's love, then you look to the person of Jesus, and then you can compare it to how you're living out this supernatural aspect of godly love too. Let me give you one more thought on this Easter weekend, and we'll be done. And it is the mission of God's love. The mission of God's love. I'm going to close it out by by saying this. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ on a mission. And the mission of Jesus was to buy you back. He wanted you to be bought back. So here's why. So whenever you and I were living in sin, we were owned by someone or we were owned by something else. And so God knew that through his son Jesus, that he would pay a price that you and I could not pay. So God sent his son Jesus to be on a mission. And the mission was, I'm going to buy you back. Now, once you accept that kind of love, that's why we sing that song, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God because who would sacrifice their own son so that you and I, come on, people like us, if we just accept him, we could have eternal, everlasting life. But once we recognize that love that we've been longing for and we say yes to Jesus, then you and I, we're put on a mission too. You read, you read this mission a few moments ago. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. Here's the mission. And he has given us, here it is, this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Here's another one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22. The Bible says this. It's Jesus talking. And he says, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest command, and watch, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
You want to know what your mission is? You want to know what your life's mission is? To those of you that are in Christ Jesus or for those of you that are considering to take a step of faith and say yes to a personal relationship with Christ on this Easter weekend, here's your life's mission. It can be summarized in this. This is why we exist, to love God and to love others. And church, listen to me. Everything else fails in comparison. And this is why I love Easter so much. It's why I love the Easter story so much because Easter literally puts God's love on display. Easter is all about Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, rather, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But listen to me. That's not the end of the love story. No, there's more to this love story. Come on, this is better than any Hallmark movie you could ever watch. Here's the rest of the story. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, if you accept the love of God, then I'm telling you, through the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, God can resurrect the dead things in your life too. That is the power of love. It's all for love. That God sent his son. And if you say yes to that kind of love, then the same power that raised Jesus from that grave, he can raise your dead things too. I'm going to give you a closing question. I try to do this each week when I speak, and Easter weekend would be no different. I'm going to look right into the camera. I'm going to ask you directly. I'm coming right into your living room, right into your bedroom, right into your kitchen, right into your home, and hopefully right into your heart. Have you accepted God's love? Have you accepted the love of God? It is a, it's a free gift. If not, come on, what are you waiting on? What, what more, what more wake-up calls do we need than the reality of our current moment that we're living in? This isn't the time that we turn from God. No, we got to turn to God right now and say yes to the love of God. So what are you waiting on? What more will it take to wake you up and you say yes to God? And if you have said yes to God's love, if you have accepted the love of God, then how well are you doing at accomplishing your mission to love God and to love others. I want to pray for you today, right here, right now. I know maybe you've got a, a few distractions in your home in this moment, but can you just focus and lean in for 30 more seconds? Because for you, sir, for you, ma'am, God has been working all things out for your good of this moment to get your attention, to come into your house and into your heart so that I could challenge you through the truth and the authority of God's word because it's the truth that sets you free that if you say yes to God's love, his never-ending love, everything changes. So block out all distractions. I want to pray for you, God, for whoever is leaning in in this moment. I hope that this message touched their mind and touched their heart in a powerful way. And that in this moment, on this Easter weekend, 2020, in the middle of a worldwide global pandemic, may these viewers and listeners experience Easter 
Easter is not just a Sunday that we celebrate. No, Easter's every day because we serve a God that is alive and his love is always available. I don't need, I don't need to be in a church building to experience Easter. No, I just need the love of God, and that is Easter. So, God, I pray for those listening to me now, God, would you speak to their heart to stop running from your love and now to start running toward your love. For the person that feels unlovable, for the person that feels lonely, may they find the love of God that would fill every emptiness and void in their heart. And then for those who are in Christ and maybe they've already accepted the love of God, may you challenge us and convict us to live out our life's mission to love God and to love others. And may we not stop on this mission until you call us home or until you come back. So we invite you into our hearts on this Easter weekend, Jesus. May we experience your love now, today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen. If you prayed that prayer or if you said yes to accepting the love of God, I want you right now to take out your cell phone real quick. You're going to text Jesus. No, not really. You're just going to text the church to let the church know that you have made a commitment to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. You've made a commitment or maybe you've made a recommitment to accept the love of Jesus. It's simple. Text this word commit to 84576 and somebody from our team will be sure to reach back out to you to give you the next steps on how you can now begin this new life in Christ Jesus. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the decision you made today to say yes to the love of Jesus Christ. So God bless you and go church.